pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. All right, second week in a row, we have a guest here. Last week, we talked to Brian Zillum about the Mavs and bringing in Adam Berger to talk about maybe the best team in basketball history. I don't know. The Boston Celtics. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what's going on with this team? They're so good. Uh, the Celtics uh, are playing the Warriors on Saturday, the first ESPN uh, or ABC Saturday night game of the year. And of course, it is a rematch of the finals. Uh, Adam, your team's doing a little bit better than our team. What, what, what's gotten into these guys? Man, they're on fire. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, it obviously all starts with Jason Tatum. He's taken his game up another level this year. He's averaging uh, two more free throws a game um, than he did last season. And it seems like he's really motivated by that uh, finals defeat, really lit a fire under both him and Jalen Brown. And uh, I've noticed that both of them going to the hoop really strong this year, finishing through contact. Uh, even they've both improved consistently throughout their careers year to year. But yeah, it's at another level this year. And then that's facilitated some incredible three point shooting from the rest of the team. You know what, what I see when I've watched? I've, I haven't watched a ton of Celtics. I've watched maybe like three or four games. And earlier today, I just went back to the Toronto game because mm. I saw the end score and I was like, oh, maybe this is a close game. But there were a bit, there were parts of this game where Celtics are up by like 13 and, and such. So um, what what's amazing to me is when I watch Tatum play, it's almost like it's almost like a video game in that Tatum gets to his spot and then you click on the controller which of the four things you want him to do. And then he just does one of them and he scores. It's like it's like a routine almost to the point which which says that. He really, really worked on his game and continues to work on his game. But he has just taken his game to another level. And at such a young age, he is uh, he has put himself into that upper echelon uh, of players this year. And, you know, we all listen to Bill Simmons. So we've been hearing about Tatum since he got drafted. So we know way more about Jason Tatum than non-Celtics fans should should ever know. But, uh, wow, what, what, what a year. And I just uh, I watch him and I wonder... Like, if he's already this good, like, what's the ceiling for him? Like, what, what do Celtics fans think? Where do they think he can actually go? 
Well, I mean, right now, if you're looking at like an all NBA team, he's first team all NBA and arguably the MVP. Um, he's definitely on the short list for that. So definitely an MVP level player, um, first team all NBA, hard to get much better than that. Uh, but it, it's possible. Maybe someday he could be definitively the best player in the league, but a lot of stiff competition for that. But yeah, I mean, it's just what he's able to do is is absolutely incredible. He does a couple things every game where even as a Celtics fan, I'm just like, that's just not fair <laughs> trying to guard that. Bri, where do you put Tatum on your list? Because we were talking a lot about Luca last week with Brian. And, you know, Luca has Luca came into the league as somebody who people thought would would be really great. Uh, and so I think I feel like he gets uh, he gets a little bit more of a high priority with with hardcore NBA fans just because of what the expectation was. But you know, when it comes to Giannis, when it comes to LeBron, when it comes to Luca, like where's Tatum on your list of of the elite? Um, so we did like a top twenty five draft with my podcast earlier in the year, and we have a buddy who's a Celtics fan on there, so we just don't want to totally. <laughs> you know, give him his roses. So I think we had Tatum like seventh behind like Kawhi and like KD and those guys. And I mean, if you look back and do that list right now, what he's top three in the league right now, you know, you've said arguable, arguably the MVP. Um, I, I, I don't know if this is a hot take because I'm not necessarily taking him over Luca, but I think there will come a point in time where you look at Tatum and you look, you, you look at him as a wing and a guy who could score from the perimeter, like a guard does getting to the point where he could dribble like a guard does finish at the rim, like a wing or a big, like he can, like you said, he's, he, he could do it all. Like he has these four options when he gets to the hoop on your controller and yeah, he could do one of them, but he's capable of all four of them. Yeah, so I think there's yeah. going to be a point in time where we look at Tatum as the best player in the league. And I can't say it's right now because I mean, he hasn't, I guess he hasn't just won the championship yet, but um, there's going to be a point in time where that happens. And, you know, I think one of the big, issues in the finals that I noticed at least from my end is that it seemed like he wasn't able to finish through contact or I just wasn't as confident in it. And, you know, when you're going up for a layup and you're your footsteps behind you, you get a little scared. I felt like that was kind of Tatum in the finals. And I mean, he came out the gates. I watched only a couple Celtics games, but I remember the first one of the season. It was the first game against the Sixers. I think it was the Sixers. And he was just like showing off, like look at what I worked on in the off season. I'm just going to take it to the hoop and finish through contact, then you guys can't do anything about it. So, um, I mean, like you said, how, how young is he? Is he 24? That was kind of the meme when he was like, he's like, this kid's still 18 or 19. He can still do that right now where he's 24 and he's still continuing to add to his game, a game that's already top five. So when, when it comes to, uh, and this is the thing that I really liked about the Celtics in the off season. And it, it, it scared me at the same time, which is one of, one of the fascinating things about the NBA is when you're trying to put these teams together, as we've seen, it's so star dominant. You want to pair up stars and you want to and you want to uh, try and sort of zig maybe what where some of the teams are zagging. And the Celtics went into the offseason and go, OK, we lost the finals. Now, how do we how do we continue to build our team to where we better match up against the Warriors? You bring in. Malcolm Brogdon, because Derek White, when he, he, I think he had like one really good game in the finals, and then the Warriors just exposed him for the rest of the finals. 
And so you go, okay, where, where, where do they, where do we need to catch up to him? So you bring in Malcolm Brog, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, Jason Tatum takes it to the next level. And like, I'm looking at Sunday and, you know, Brian and I were talking about this. There's no Andrew Wiggins, or, uh, sorry, so Saturday. There's no Andrew Wiggins playing on Saturday. Who is going to guard Jason Tatum? Like, you, you, you know, Brian's a, a big Jonathan Kaminga guy. And it's like, yeah, great. Like, let's throw Kaminga on Tatum, but Kaminga's going to foul out in 20 minutes. Uh, Draymond is going to, you know, this is maybe this is the the game of, of the week where you just go, hey, Draymond, you just play your hard 38 and we'll give you the next couple days off. But like the Warriors don't have an answer for him at this moment and not saying Wiggins was the answer, but Wiggins played him very well in the finals. And I just like the fact and and dislike it as a Warriors fan that you guys looked at last year's finals and said, okay, now how do we match up better to beat that team? And some of it is also Milwaukee, right? You guys are also competing against Milwaukee in that East, the two best teams in the NBA right now. But what did you think about the offseason and the way that they attacked it? Obviously, you had the coaching situation, which is, you know, yeah. so much drama. But from the pieces, you know, Blake Griffin started against Toronto and got up for like a, a, a dunk. Like it, it wasn't old Blake, but it was like, oh, Blake, you can still you can still kind of get up there. Nice job. Yeah, the offseason was fascinating. So Brogdon was per- is perfect. Uh, he's he's exactly what they needed and that because he's they really needed another ball handler um, to run the offense, especially, you know, when either Brown or Tatum were sitting um, and, and smarts, good smart, smarts, a, a great passer, but they, they needed someone else who could score and also uh, sp- spread the floor, you know, shoot from outside, which Brog has been incredible this year. He's shooting like over 45% um, from three on like four attempts a game. Like the whole team's actually, the Celtics have like five guys shooting over 45% from three and none of them are Tatum and Brown. That's just other guys that are shooting. And also on like four attempts a game, Derek white, who struggled, um, he would, he shoot shooting over 40% from three this year. Um, a lot different than uh, his three-point shooting in the playoffs. So every, Brogdon, every shooting percentage metric, you guys are head and <laughs> yeah, shoulders crazy. above the rest of the NBA. It's crazy. Yeah, the, the, I think the whole team is like shooting 40% from three, like on average. It's just, it's it's nuts. But yeah, Brogdon's perfect. He only plays like half the game. Um, and he actually get, did an interview, which was interesting, where he's like, you know, I have the skills to be like, you know, a best, like one of the best players on a good team and run the offense, but my body just hasn't been able to hold up to those demands so he's perfect in that six-man role um you know they don't demand uh, too much from him uh one thing i was really worried about coming into the season was uh you know robert williams being out for the first few months and al horford being you know he's he's getting up there in, in age they just extended him for a couple more years at at the mid-level exception um so it's nice to have him around um, longer, but you're worried about, you know, too, demanding too much from a guy who's in his, the twilight of his career. Yeah. And so he's still very good. Um, but what they've done, they brought back Luke Cornett, um, from last year. So he was on the team last year. He was part of like their, their garbage time bench mob. Um, when they did the Derek white trade last year, 
they traded so many small contracts that they just brought in like a bunch of random dudes <laughs> <laughs> to like fill out the roster. Cornette was one of them. And this year he's actually playing like he's their backup center. He plays, you know, 10, 15 minutes a game um, to kind of, you know, give Horford a rest. And then Al Horford this year, though, he hasn't been playing in any back to backs. Um, so they keep him out. And then what they've done, though, which is very creative, is when Al Horford is out, like on a back to back, they bring in Blake Griffin and Blake Griffin just splits. You know, he does his best Al Horford impression. You know, he's yeah. kind of like a poor man's Al Horford, but he's done well. Um, so he doesn't play a lot of games. But when he does play, you know, he's playing like, you know, 20, 15, 20. He played 30 minutes in that uh, Raptors game, I think. So it's it's worked out really well. Um, and then another underrated um it wasn't really an addition. One of those bench mob guys from last year who was on a, a two-way uh, undrafted player named Sam Hauser. Yes. Um, he's playing about 15 minutes a game this year as their uh, backup small forward. You know, he's shooting over 45, 45% from three. Um, he, he's just an incredible shooter. And he's also six seven. And, you know, he's not the fastest guy. Um, I would hesitate to call him a plus defender, but he's also not a negative defender. Like, he's, he's not bad. He holds up pretty pretty well, especially within their team concept for defense. So it also, they were supposed to have Danilo Gallinari um, yeah, on this yeah. team as well, but you know, they signed him and then he tore his ACL the, uh, the next week, yeah, that was um, which tough. was unfortunate, but uh, yeah, the off season moves, they, um, they, they totally killed it from a, a player standpoint. And the, obviously the team's just firing on all cylinders right now. The one thing about Robert Williams is bringing him back is like, injecting steroids into into the team the the only negative thing and we saw this with clay last year is the team was so accustomed to playing a specific way that when they brought clay back and you you know you got to put clay in starting lineup like he's he deserves all that it it was different than having jordan pool in there as far as the offense would go you know jordan pool is a, a jitterbug and he's going to the hole and clay's you know searching for for open jumpers so there was there, there was a lot of uh, adjustment that the, the Warriors had to have, and they didn't really get there because of all the injuries that they had until the playoffs, and then they sort of figured it out in the playoffs. You guys will have a couple more months uh, to get him back and and to figure out that rotation. So that's yeah, that's that's a killer for for other teams to have him. Uh, I think but, with Clay, you know, integrating Clay back into the offense, like Clay kind of needs you know, his shots and he needs the ball. Like, whereas Robert Williams is kind of just, he's, he's kind of, he doesn't need it. Yeah. He's just sure. Yeah. He'll take a lob here and there. So. Yeah. I mean, the, ultimately the thing with him is just the health. He, he just needs yeah. to stay healthy and, and yeah, he, totally. he, he, he doesn't need the ball. He blocks shots, grabs rebounds. Uh, yeah. That, it's, it's, it's just, it's a perfect guy to just fit right back in to, to make that team even more scary. Yeah, I am curious about how they handle that. So, like, I can see this going one of two ways. So one way is Robert Williams comes back and he's just taking all the Luke Cornette minutes. Um, <laughs> and maybe, you know, maybe Al's just playing a little bit less so they even them out a bit. So, I mean, that that would probably be the most seamless way uh, to bring him back. So, but last year, obviously, their defense was so incredible when they played uh, Robert Williams and Al Horford together. Um, in the starting lineup. So this year, their defense is kind of middle of the road. It's been between like 10th and 15th, depending on what metrics you're looking at. Um, So more mediocre. Obviously, their offense is incredible, in large part because of all the spacing that they have. Um, uh, I mean, 
Udoka was, he seemed to like bigger lineups, um, really liked Williams and Horford playing together as much as possible. And just in a lot of the substitution patterns he had, whereas Missoula seems to prioritize spacing. Um, so um, I am intrigued to see what happens when Robert Williams comes back. Do they go back to that Horford and Robert Williams starting lineup, or do they just let Grant Williams continue to start, bring Robert Williams off the bench, and you know maybe Robert starts when um, Al Horford you know is out um, throughout the year. So I'm curious to, just to see how much like Horford and Williams play together, or if they really just kind of split up the center minutes between the two. What is the temperature gauge on Jalen Brown being a free agent at the end of the year? Like, do do you got do do Boston fans feel like they're going to take care of him? Do they feel like he wants to go test? You know what his value is with other teams. Like, what is the feeling there with him? Yeah, yeah, it's a weird situation. I don't think the temperature. I don't think we're that worried about it. Um, I'll say because obviously the team's great and it's going to be tough for him to find a better situation than playing with Jason Tatum. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, you, you would like to be able to extend him, but because they got him on a relatively good contract um, previously, it doesn't make sense for him to take an extension. Sure. So they basically have to wait for his free agency to come up. And then, I mean, they're going to offer him every single cent that they can uh, to keep him there. So I'm not, I'm not, obviously it's a, it's a concern, but I'm not too worried about it because they're, I mean, they're going to offer him everything they can. And it's a great situation, not just for the near future, but, you know, the longer term future as well, being next to Tatum. So uh, I'm not too worried about it. I think he'll be in Boston for a long time. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. So looking at the numbers, one of the, I don't even know if this is an argument against Boston, but just the idea that the offensive rating is like astronomical, like historical league history Maybe the shooting can continue, but generally what happens is it kind of comes down a little bit. And uh, are you, you know, the the net rating is the thing that is just also amazing to me. You guys uh, have a a 9.2 net rating, and uh, the next highest is the Pelicans at 6.9. So the gap between 
you guys and the Pelicans is like the gap between the Pelicans and Dallas, who was like six. Like that, that's how big the gap is. Uh, things are going perfect the way that you you would want them. What are your worries with this team? If you're being like super nitpicky with the team and, and the start and the conference, obviously Milwaukee's gonna be there. Uh you know, what what what's the thing that you're like the the the, the national NBA, you know, the, the NBA audience thinks that we're the best team, but as someone who watches a little bit more closely, I'm kind of worried about this. I don't want to sound like a homer, but it's really, it's really just health. Um, It's really just health. Like this team is playing incredible. It's, it's like they're moving the ball so well. Um, Last year, the offense would, could be very sluggish at times. And so far this year, we haven't, we haven't seen that. Um, And a lot of it is because they always have, Tatum, Brown, or Brogdon are always out there, and usually two of them out there. Um, so because of that, they're able to, you know, they're constantly able to keep things moving. And they have a lot of, even, I'm confident about their health too, because like as an example, like Peyton Pritchard's out of the rotation. Yeah. Um, like completely, he only plays if there's like an injury or foul trouble or something. So he's just there. Like if like Brogdon had a little, you know, Brogdon and Smart have had a couple, um, you know, injuries that kept him out for a game or two. And then they just slide Peyton Pritchard in and keep rolling. They're not really afraid of like, okay, yeah, you're banged up a little bit. Okay. Take tonight off. You know, they definitely have it in mind. Like, all right, we got to keep everybody healthy um, to, to, to make that stretch run in the playoffs. And we saw, and also, you know, by blowing these teams out, you know, it takes Tatum's and Brown's minutes down a bit. Cause part of what happened with Tatum last year is just, he carried such a heavy load on yeah. those and all those seven game series and just really wore down. Did um, it turn out it, that he actually had a shoulder injury? It was, I think he, I think he said he broke, he had a broken wrist or something. Oh, it was no. like, it wasn't like a displacement, but I guess it was, I don't know, like a hairline or something like that in his wrist um, that came out. So I, I think that, but yeah, his shoulder was bothering him too. He was just kind of run down. So I think it's mainly just a, avoiding that again but man i mean yeah this team this offense is incredible i will say their defense just being kind of mediocre after it was so great last year is i guess that too is a bit concerning but i'm you know waiting to see what happens when robert williams comes back because he's obviously going to make a huge impact and if they can if they even if their offense falls off a little bit if they stay the as the top offense in the league and then they can maybe get their defense you know, closer to top five as opposed to, you know, um, around top 10, then, man, they're, they're going to be really hard to beat uh, in the playoffs. When it uh, – I just lost my train of thought. Um, oh, the – like like the key to the Warriors in, in the mid-2010s, 15, 16, uh, 17, 18, 19, like those years – is what exactly what you said, which is they were able to rest their guys. You know, there were there were times when Steph Curry was about to check back into the game at his, you know, seven or eight minute mark of the fourth quarter. And they're like, nope, we're up 25. You don't need to play. And so instead of having 36 minutes, he had 28 minutes uh, a game. And that is not what what they can afford today he's he's playing his 38 minutes every game because they're fighting to win these you know these regular season matchups but uh heading into saturday 
the NBA regular season is the NBA regular season. I don't think people really even pay that close attention until we get post All-Star break. But are, do Celtics fans think this is kind of a big game? Is this a little bit of a like, oh, you know, we want to show them our, our new tools here to, to <laughs> you know, to, to let them know that, you know, that, that they better get back because we're coming. Yeah, de- definitely. Always some extra motivation there um, uh, for a revenge game, uh, for, for sure. It, obviously, it's the regular season, so it's not. And the Celtics and Warriors don't traditionally have like uh, an extensive rivalry the way uh, the Celtics did with the Lakers, you know. When, Except for those F.U. Kobe Draymond chants in Boston. Oh well, <laughs> yeah, but that that's just that's just Boston. They they just pick. We always pick Boston. Always picks somebody to hate and just like attacks them relentlessly. Um, and Draymond oh, yeah. the easiest to hate. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, that's a low-hanging sure. fruit there. Yeah, but no, definitely. Uh, it'll def- the game will definitely be a big deal um, uh, in Boston. Celtics fans definitely want, you know, winning a regular season game after losing the finals isn't that much, isn't that much revenge. But, you know, especially if, it's, if they can get a big win, it'll make, you know, make everyone feel pretty good and feel confident because uh, we definitely have some PTSD after you uh, have a series where Steph just murders you with yeah. crazy <laughs> shots. Yeah, right. I'm, con- I'm convinced you guys blitz us or we win by like two. I, I don't know. Uh, I, again, I've had too much, too many experiences with Steph now to, uh, <laughs> to, to say for sure either way. But so, so yeah. I will say, I will say if, if you, I mean, there are many, you know, the Warriors are 13 and 13 right now. They have had, I think Warriors fans would consider there's more negative to the, to the positive this year so far. Mm-hmm. One of the main negatives, and this is just, you know, long playoff hangover especially when they win the title, which is energy, like getting up for, for games. And uh, later in the show, Brian and I will talk about this week's games, but uh, they played Indiana and they were like sleepwalking through the game. They just like no, no, no energy, no fire. And so I, I do think that, you know, you're going to get whatever the best is for the Warriors right now without Anthony Wiggins. Anthony Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins, uh, whatever that the best that you got, you guys will get it for sure. Um, they are a good home team, but I, I kind of feel like uh, the Warriors are even going to be the the underdog at home. I don't know what the what the, um, the point spread oh, is I'm today, sure. yeah. But I'm sure you know with the way that Boston's playing, being a home dog as a post you know title uh, team, I think they're going to find whatever the inspiration is that they need, and if they don't then that's just a bigger problem because this is, this should be a game that they get up for. This is a game where Steph, you know, he needs to, uh, he, he wants to show out. He wants to, you know, do the night night thing again. And Draymond, you know, Dray- I'm sure Draymond and Grant Williams will scramble for a loose ball and they'll be tangled and wrestling and there will be, and that's kind of what I hope because that's the kind of stuff that gets the warriors up. Um, and so, you know, your guys best, hopefully will uh, will inspire them to kind of get it together. Because otherwise, like Brian says, it could be a blitzing. It could be, uh, you know, Tatum and, and Brown don't even need to play in the fourth quarter kind of game because the Warriors will, will get into those games as well. Yeah, they played Phoenix um, earlier this week. And at one point, the score was 94 to 49, which I had never seen before. Um, so that's, that's an interesting score. Uh, but yeah, one of the things that's impressed me the most about the Celtics this year is 
there's a lot of times during the season where, you know, you have second night of a back-to-back, someone's hurt, um, you know, not playing, and they just kind of don't have it and pack it in. And, uh, you know, they have a handful of losses, but, like, last week they they played Brooklyn on Sunday, and then they played uh, Toronto on Monday. Yeah. And Toronto Toronto's a good team. They're a yes. long team. They're athletic. Horford wasn't playing in that game. You know, Blake Griffin's playing 30 minutes that night, and – they still just, you know, played hard, played well, took care of business against a tough challenge. And this team's just really focused and motivated to, I think, make a statement after coming up short last year. It honestly, it reminds me of the 2014 Spurs, you know, after mm-hmm. they lost that heartbreaker to the Heat the year before. The next year they came out, you know, so focused in. like a machine. Yeah. 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 And that, so that's actually what this team reminds me of. All right, Brian, what do you think? You think the Warriors are going to play up? You think they're going to be ready? Or you think we're going to see <laughs> what we've been seeing? Um, I'm just going to say they like win in a really close game. Because, oh, wow. I you, mean, have, you have some confidence there. There we go. Not, not total confidence, but I, I feel like I can't say my team's going to get blitzed. But I don't know. You look at the Warriors' home win percentage and you look at their away win percentage, Like that's probably like the biggest difference in the entire league where so they win bad. like... 80% of their home games and loot and win like 10% of their away games, you know, Celtic, so. Celtics are 10 and three on the road as well. So it's not, you know, so they're, they, they, they've been playing just as well away from home as they have yeah. at home. My buddy, um, who was on this podcast before born in Boston, raised in Arizona. Uh, so he's kind of like a Boston Suns fan. So oh, he went okay. to that, he went to that game and the Suns crowd started cheering Let's go Celtics. Oh my God. They're starting to take over arenas, man. Yeah. So I, I live in Miami um, and I went to, I was part of that crowd in the playoffs last year (laughs) where the Celtics blew them out and started chanting, let's go Celtics. So I went to uh, the regular season game, like one of the first games of the year here in Miami um, where the Celtics played them. And we tried to get the let's go Celtics chant going again, but we got, we, it it got uh, booed down uh, by the heat. So they were more protective uh, this time around. You know, I think I this is teams worse this year. <laughs> I think that I think this is uh, I don't I don't know if I've seen this put together the way that I'm about to put it together, though. Uh, so in the past uh, in the past year, we've had the winning time HBO Max uh, show about the Lakers. We've had Magic Johnson documentary on Apple TV We've had the Lakers Dynasty documentary, 10 episodes of Lakers on Hulu. And now we have a Shaq documentary out there. It was almost like they were tr- like they were th- this this LeBron era, you know, got the one bubble title win, but it hasn't been fantastic. And so they're kind of like pushing all this Laker history and everything out there. And for you guys to just be like, OK, we're just going to like it's total Celtics like bs that i had to grow up with with the with the celtics and lakers stuff but uh i, I think I, I, I don't know i haven't seen anyone put that together but it was almost like celtics are like man enough with this lakers nonsense let's just get to the you know let's get to the season yeah I, well i think part of the motivation behind that was um they saw how successful the last dance was with yeah. Jordan. Oh, absolutely. And they're like, like absolutely. well, the Lakers are the most popular team. Let's just get as much Lakers content and documentaries out there as we can. Uh, absolutely. And they have been like, I've been entertained. Like I, I thought the Lakers Hulu doc was going to be like, just 
and it was there was a lot of rah-rah stuff a lot of genie bus if, if, if you're not a fan of genie bus you probably wouldn't like it but you know the, the the stories are there and as an nba fan growing up when i grew up i mean that's all it's all it was was lakers celtics so yeah. i know so much about the lakers i know so much more about the lakers celtics teams uh of, of that time frame than anybody should know who who isn't a fan of theirs but uh okay so last last thing and then we'll let you go and Right. Really appreciate you coming in and, and giving us some knowledge here. Um, is it is it championship or bust for you guys? Is that is that what the mentality is? Yeah, yeah. Like if if they don't win the championship, it's it's disappointing uh, for sure. Just making the finals again wouldn't be enough after coming so close last. You know, I mean, they had a chance to go up three one last year and had the lead. And then just kind of blew it and everything fell apart from there. And so the, this team being even better than last year's team. Yeah, it's it really is that the championship or bust. Uh, but so far, so good. Uh, honestly, can't imagine them playing any better than they are right now. And uh, Celtics Bucks on Christmas Day. That is Ooh. a game to circle for uh, figuring out sort of, you know, where because I think I think the Bucks are the best defensive team in the league. But uh, you guys you guys have them in, in those other statistical categories. And then how how unfortunate is this for the Warriors? They play the Celtics on Saturday. Then they go to Milwaukee on Tuesday. It's like, man, schedule gods killing us. Uh, all right. Hey, man, thank you very much. Uh, really appreciate you jumping on here. And, uh, you know, if we, if we get back into this uh, Boston and, and Warriors uh, finals, which – it's not looking great for us right now, but the West is also not fantastic. So, you know, we'll bring you back and, and we'll talk about this stuff some more. All right. Sounds good. Looking forward to it, guys. All Thanks right, man. Again. Thanks. All right, Bry. So uh, let's uh, let's talk about some of the stuff that's happened this past week with the team. Uh, man, yesterday was such a gut punch. It was my favorite game of the year until the last 10 seconds of the game or whatever that was when, when they lost. Um, but man, the Indiana game, that was so frustrating. Like I, like we were talking with Adam, just the idea of these guys cannot even get up for this game. They're sleepwalking through the game. Indiana's a really solid team, but they should not have been uh, doing whatever they wanted in the way that they did. Uh, what was that? Tuesday? Monday or Tuesday, yeah, Monday, yeah, but yeah. So just that was in in a, in a in a myriad of disappointments. That was like one of the big ones for me because I was like, you know, they're they're home. They need to sort of figure this whole thing out. The vets need to come up and and make plays. And you know, we're seeing Kaminga start to pick his game up. Um, there's different little little bits of the rotation, like Moody is is getting back into it. But it's the vets were just Steph was so bad and he doesn't he's not going to be good every game. But that's about as bad as you're going to see that guy play. Yeah, I mean, that defense looked suffocating, almost like I always reference it. But the way that the Memphis Grizzlies are able to suffocate you on defense or were able to do that with the Warriors and just make them uncomfortable. It's almost like the Pacers were just doing that. They had a lot of good pieces out there defensively. Um, You know, you look at Andrew Nemhard, who just absolutely torched us. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Neesmith from the Celtics is kind of like a key defensive guy. Uh, Jalen Smith is pretty solid. Uh, they have Isaiah Jackson too. Like they have guys. Um, I feel like I underrated this team just because of how young they were and how long I 
thought it would take for them to start clicking. And, you know, this might have been just like a once in a season type of game for them. But And Matherin didn't even play that great. Yeah, yeah. You know, I... I think what's funny is that we literally like talked on the PS5 chat when we were playing 2K the week before <laughs> and Randy jumped on. He was like, yo, this kid just hit this uh, buzzer beater against the against Lakers. The Lakers, yeah. And you were like, who is it? And Randy was like, Andrew Nemhard. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. You're like, how do you know that guy? And look <laughs> at it. He's the one who torches us. So, yeah. I mean, I think from just like a quid, quick tidbit on that, I almost feel like because I, I watched that game late. So I already I already heard that. Andrew popped off. So I was kind of watching him specifically and he wasn't hard to miss. He was just doing all the right things, but he got like a decent amount of his, a chunk of his points from three. And I felt like there's like a certain amount of respect you get to be guarded five feet behind the three point line. And only so many players have it, right? Mm -hmm. You get it throughout your career. You don't get it in a game. If the Warriors really wanted to beat the Pacers, I feel like they had to like put that pride aside and say, okay, we really have to guard this guy named Andrew Nemhard, this rookie, five feet out from three. Because Andrew, was, he was just hitting them. He was hitting those deep threes where I'm just like, who the hell would even think to guard this guy from that far out? He he, and, ste- he stepped Steph is what he did. Yeah, yeah. And he was just, you know, he saw Jordan Poole right in front of him and he said, cookies, I'm just going to, you know, <laughs> a guy on Houston, on the Houston Rockets, like has been living and dying by just doing what Andrew Nemhard did because he's just stronger than some of the guys that they put in front of him. So we'll just bully his way to the rim uh, named Tari Eason. But yeah, I, I just think Andrew Nemhard was just getting the right switches and just bombing threes when he needed to. And yeah, that was just... I went to the Pacers game last year, too, the one that they always talk about where Steph blew a missed coverage on a Justin Holiday 3, and they lose it, too. The Pacers, I looked, they're 4-0 at Chase. <laughs> <laughs> like, the Warriors have yet to beat the Pacers at Chase Center, and I think that's hilarious. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, we we had gone out... Uh, was it Saturday? Last Saturday? We, we, yeah. we, we grabbed yeah, some food, Houston and game. we watched the Houston game. They slept walk through that game, too. Like... You know, there were some fun moments and, and the, you know, they were doing some fun stuff, but they never locked down on defense. They could not rebound to save their life. It's like, uh, you know, you kind of want to just hope that it's just like, oh, they just need to turn it on. There's this, this switch and they're just kind of waiting and they're, you know, they're just not ready and whatever it is, right? That this is, uh, you know, this happens to all, all the, the championship teams, except I will say, Michael Jordan did a great job of, of keeping his his guys uh, uh, not necessarily sharp, but you know he he would carry games if, if he needed to carry games. And also, the NBA was not as, as good as it is now, which allowed him to do so because he was so much more dominant than uh, than the rest of the guys. But I kind of want to see that from Steph and Dre. Just like, okay, we get it. Clay is nine for 26 shooting or whatever he was last night. Uh, he doesn't got it. Um, you know, uh, we're, we're getting beat in uh, uh, to offensive rebounds. Like I'm waiting for Draymond to just go, my goodness, like why are we not getting these rebounds? And just to take control of the game a little bit more or for Steph and Steph's been doing a good job of this, uh, but not defensively Steph just to be like, we're just not losing this game. We just can't let this team win. It's just not happening. And they have not been able to do that uh, either, which is uh, kind of frustrating. And uh, we're waiting for like a savior. I don't know who the savior is. It's not, it's not Wiseman. 
It's not uh, Iguodala. If he comes in and he plays in the second half of the season, he's going to be, uh, you know, a, a second uh, ro- rotation guy. Maybe not even playing a whole lot. I don't know who the who the savior is. I don't know what causes them to turn it on to play better. Whatever it is, uh, this last week I would say I was a little less positive in uh, in the team. Then I was in the previous couple of weeks where we were just like, oh, they just kind of need to get their rotation. The second team, let's put Dram on here. And they did what I had wanted to do. If you remember a few a few weeks ago, it was like Draymond and, and Jordan Poole have to be on the court together. Like that's how you fixed this Jordan Poole thing. And they did that. And it works, at least offensively it works. But yeah, I don't what, what, what's the fix? What's the thing? Uh, is it is it a trade? Is it a buyout? Like what? What's what's the move here? What, what are they going to do? Yeah, I think it's interesting you bring that up because last year it was like, okay, we got Clay and Wiseman coming back, even though Wiseman never played. But that's kind of what we were talking about in the beginning of the year, where it's like, okay, we have this saving grace. This guy named Clay Thompson comes back, yeah. and I was like, this year we don't have that. Forgot about Iguodala. I guess he kind of does come back, but yeah, you're right. He's not that. He's not a saving grace for a team. If he and has to be the savior, then they're they're we're cooked. Yeah. First round exit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, they got to get to the sixth spot, right? Like that, or else then you got to play in that other tournament just to get to seven and eight. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm not that like. I still don't want to rule us out as contenders because I feel like a lot of the stuff that needs to be fixed is like internal, and I don't think it's you know I don't know how well the starters are still doing. Um, because there was that stat on how they're like the best five men unit in the NBA. Um, but you know, I mean, I think Steph, that Pacers game, I feel like he's starting to go through, you know, not being able to maintain this absurd statistical output that he's been doing up until this point. So I don't know. If, and I feel like that's a bad time for him to potentially go on this slump. Cause you got Celtics, you got Milwaukee, you got this hard East coast trip. Um, but I think with my, my thing is like, it felt like. You know, I've talked about in the beginning of the season where a win for the Warriors this season is obviously a championship. But another thing would be if Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody are able to fill in solid rotation pieces. So you don't need to go get a DiVincenzo and a Jermichael Green. You could rely on those guys and you don't have to spend your money in the offseason for uh, vet men contracts. Um, I almost feel like Kaminga has like solidified that. Like the way I know he's, it's only been like a two game stretch. You know, you know, I've been telling you for the last seven games that I thought he's been doing this <laughs> just with like smaller minutes. And now he's getting more minutes and still doing it. I feel like Kaminga has just completely bought in into the warrior system. And it's like, like the perfect guy for it. And, you know, having those athletic tools and also just playing with the, the mindset of, of off ball screens and just, you know, playing through the system and not always trying to get your own bucket. I felt like when we were watching, when I was watching the Utah jazz game last night, I think Kaminga almost thought like, okay, it's one of those games where I could just like shoot a bunch of shots. And in the beginning, when he went in, he kind of started to do that. And I almost feel like there was a timeout where it's like, no, it's actually not one of those games. Mm -hmm. And he almost mixed the, I'm going to play like, like Kaminga, like how I want to with that warriors system. And like that was his best game of his career, right? Like just the things he was doing where he wasn't like he was creating a shot just by like, you know, having an advantage and just going and just bully balling that guy. And then when people miss layups, he would just have these posterizing putback dunks. So I think that him is for me, he's an example of you have the people internally. Can you develop them by actually giving them playing time? Like can Moses Moody actually get consistent playing time? Cause I still think that he's so solid. Like when he puts up a three point shot, I'm like, I think it's going in. I think he's at that, that point for me. 
where he hit those two clutch threes last night against Utah. Mm-hmm. He had some good ones. I think, I, I don't know. I forget if he played in Houston. I think he did. I think he, he hit some good ones in Houston. Yeah, but, he played. He played. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it's, I think it's finding him minutes. I don't know how you do it because I guess he has to jump the Dante DiVincenzo spot, but the kid needs to play. And I think it'll, although there might be some bumps and bruises in the beginning of the season with playing Kaminga and Moody, a lot of minutes, I think it benefits you more in the long run than by them not playing and not really getting as much minutes and relying on those seven guys with DiVincenzo and Jermichael and Poole and just riding that all the way through. I think those two young guys have the more potential to benefit more if given the opportunity in a long season. That would be my fix. But it probably is a trade. <laughs> it's, I, I think it's trade. You remember, was it last year when they were saying Kaminga and Wiseman for, was it Siakam? Was like Siakam was unhappy in Toronto or something? It was, yeah, no. So before Kaminga and Moody got picked, it was just like the talk of the town to say Wiseman and 7 and 14 for, and no, Wiggins, Wiseman and 7, 14 and name your guy. So it was yeah. Wiggins, Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody. And yeah. it was Ben Simmons. It was Pascal Siakam. It was Bradley Beal. That type of package was was what I remember. Because Siakam would be like the perfect player for the Warriors. Yes, right he now. would be. Oh, my would God. Be. Uh, would you do he, that? He, would he, you do Wiggins? He, he gets he gets hurt a lot, though. Wiggins, Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody? I think Siakam, Siakam would be the uh, Draymond replacement. Like, he would, he, he would be a... He would be able to um, soften the blow of whenever Draymond is is not good anymore, uh, be, because I, th- I think he he can sort of do a whole lot of things. Um, so okay, so Kaminga, he's he's definitely back. I I've this I don't like picking on Anthony Lamb because I think Anthony Lamb is is a kind of a nice story. Like if the Warriors were better. We'd be singing Anthony Lamb praises, but because we're not, because they're not, he's kind of a little bit of the the target. Um, I think Lamb can play with Steph on the court, and I think that is it. Whenever he, whenever Steph is not on the court, I don't know if this is like someone needs to crunch these numbers, but. Like with five seconds left on the shot clock, somehow Anthony Lamb always has the basketball. I was about to say no, because <laughs> like uh, when we play another two K reference, when we play two K, we always call that the grenade. We're giving someone yeah. the grenade because yeah. we know they're going to miss it. We don't want that on our shot record. And it seems like either they give that to Anthony Lamb every single time, but you're right, it is like five, seven to or like six to five seconds left on the shot clock. So it's almost like he could still make another pass, but he takes it upon himself to be the grenade guy. And we go see that one handed shot, which it's gross. He, he made a few in the, in the season. I don't remember the last time he, he made more than one. Um, but yeah, so those are the minutes I would like to see Kaminga get. I want to see Kaminga get those lamb minutes. If for whatever reason, Steph is on the court and you want to play lamb. Cause he's setting the right screen and he's rolling correctly, and he's not bringing his own defender to help trap, like all of those things, great. But let's start giving some of those minutes to Kaminga and seeing what he can do in those lamb minutes. Uh, And, you know, Givincenzo is, he's just, uh, he's a gamer, and he's going to get to loose balls, and he's going to grab steals, that Moses Moody's not even going to see, which is part of the deal, right? 
He's going to get rebounds that even James Wiseman's not going to see. Like he's a really good rebounder, especially on on um, you know these outside shots. So that's why Divincenzo's playing. I wish he could hit the three a little bit better, but he's I, I'm fine with him. Uh, also, Jamichael Green. I'm I'm not sure he's playable against a good team. Like because you would think, okay, playing Boston, they're big, they're strong, they're tall. Oh, let's let's play Jamichael uh, next to Draymond a little bit. Let's play, you know, m- maybe Jamichael's a small ball five. He gets killed in these moments, and it's like he'll he'll have the he'll have the one, you know, put back dunk where he like, hangs on the rim, ah, and then it's just a bunch of corner threes that he misses, and I'm just like, why is he even in there? Like, well, you're not using him to his best capacity. And so, like, why don't we try somebody else there? Because he's he's the guy, again, he's the guy who they're like, yeah, man, like, give it to this guy in the corner. And he's like, I'll take that shot. And I don't know what he's shooting from three right now, but it can't, it can't be, be great. pretty. Yeah. yeah. I think the only way he's playable is if he's able to hit it at like 35 to 37% from three. Yeah. And he hasn't been like, he, I think he finally hit one against Utah. And I was like, yeah. And it, they're Porter not Jr. close. <laughs> they're not, the they're shot like... form looks ugly too. Did it always look like that? Like I feel like I just had such a huge misconception on who he was as a player. Yeah, me too. Totally That's unfortunate. Um. All right. So, what do you think about this? Uh, this <laughs> upcoming road trip. So we get the Boston game, which is at home, which is good for them. I'm I'm very happy that that game is at home. But uh, then they're going on the road. I think I pulled up the schedule here. They go Mil- uh, They go Tuesday night at Milwaukee. Wednesday night, so back-to-back, man, against the Pacers. Then Friday against the Sixers. Then Sunday against the Raptors. And then Tuesday against the Knicks. Wednesday against the Nets. And they finally come home for Christmas. So they're on the road for one, two, three, four, five, six games until co- before coming home for Christmas. Wow. That's, that's a rough schedule there. And do you see how many back-to-backs? Is it two so sets of back-to-backs? So the, so the back-to-back is Bucks, Pacers, and uh, Nets, uh, Knicks, Nets. Damn. <laughs> like, you almost got to, like, make, you almost got to make sure Steph, like, they don't sit the vets, except for Clay on those back-to-backs. No, yeah. no game safe right now. No, and you know it, it. It would be you. You're at the point where you're like, oh, okay. If they go two and four, fine. If they go one and five, fine. No, not, if you come back, okay. Let let's let's say Boston. Uh, best case scenario, obviously win, and then you go two and four. You're only uh, you're only still one game under five hundred coming back. Uh, you lose the Boston game. You go two and four. You're three games under 500 coming back. So that that is that's tough, man. You got to at least go 500 on this road trip. And I'm just not sure I see the the 500. Yeah, I know. It looks like I don't even know if I can say this is a guaranteed win. Like even you know the Pacers just beat them. They've actually always, at least recently, it seems like they've always had close games with the Knicks. I that's the game where I'm sort of comfortable with. Yeah, yeah, that's the is, one is that, that I Knicks would be games. Too. That's the one that I would circle. I I think they I think they'll beat 
the Sixers because the Sixers have the Sixers should be a lot better than they are, and they mm-hmm. have their they have their own problems. They're twelve and twelve right now, so they're kind of like the Warriors in that they're a little bit of a disappointment. They've had injuries though; they got at least blame it on that. They've lost three in a row. Harden's even back, and they're still they've still lost three in a row. So, uh, those would be the two that I circle and say, okay, I think they could get these two games, but the rest of them, <laughs> like uh, I, you know, Brooklyn is. Uh, picking it up a little bit right they're now 14 and 12 um they're probably bringing wiseman on this road trip right i don't know i I, they they all just went back to the g league today yeah i thought they bring that i thought they at least bring baldwin and uh, rollins on road trips because of like back-to-backs yeah that'd suck if they just brought baldwin and rollins and just left wiseman (laughs) (laughs) wiseman and gee santos you guys just go cook Oh yeah, how's Guy playing? By the way, have you watched any? I mean, I don't think he gets to do the things we got to see him do. Ah, uh, so that's unfortunate because I would love to have him just be the point guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's kind of just like a wing. Yeah, he's he's the the Brazilian Luca. Yeah. Uh, all right, I think that's good. We'll, we'll uh, I have a holiday party to go to on Saturday night, so I won't be able to watch this game until probably late, late Saturday. But uh, maybe we'll be back. So we'll, we'll probably just be back in this time slot next next week. And it'll be between the Pacers and the Sixers game. So they'll have played three games and we can sort of digest uh, yeah. the, the three games. And they're, they're three hard games. There's no there's no easy wins in uh, in the next seven days for sure. Who what would you're the optimistic guy? What's your prediction? 500. <sighs> I think. They, I think the vets know they need to go three and three. How they get that is a mystery to me because, yeah, it, to, Toronto should be like kryptonite for the Warriors, but they're struggling a little bit. So maybe it's not really, maybe, maybe there's some of it like they're going to play other teams that aren't playing fantastic, like Toronto, Philadelphia, the Nets, they're all kind of in this cluster. And so I think those are winnable games, but they're not games that I would go, we got that one. The only one that I, I see as we got that is is the Knicks for sure. And how many away games have we won this year? Is it just Houston? Or please tell me we've won at least two. Uh, I can't remember. It is... Because was it Houston and then we went and played two. the Mavs? It is two. Two and 11. Well, do you remember the team? Uh, we I can't can even remember. I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, so let's see here. So they, oh, I have to go back to November. While you're doing this, I want to do a quick, I know we're about to close it out, but quick rant is that I feel like, you know, we've mentioned it earlier on this podcast, but as we continue throughout the season, it gets even more, it's like even more clear to me, at least, at least me is that. You know, we were very upset that we couldn't re-sign our guys from the championship team. Um, They're all hurt. <laughs> and they don't play. Like, Otto Porter Jr. came back, and he didn't look good, and then he, like, got, like, dislocated his elbow or something like that. Gary oh, Payton's no, still, I didn't hear that. It was some, yeah, something like that, where he's, he's out again. Gary Payton wow. hasn't played a game. The only guy you would look at and be like, man, I wish we had this guy, is a guy that no one wanted back anyway, and it's a guy that you keep talking about. Damian <laughs> yeah. Lee is, like, My the guy, only D. one. Lee. Like, oh, this guy could help. But all everyone else who we let go like would not 
be helping this team right now. Yeah, Dealey frustrated me a lot, but now uh, you know he, he's he, you don't know what you got till it's gone, man. Yeah. Uh No, it was Minnesota. That was the other game that they won. On oh the my god, I forgot about that one. We boat raced them. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, yeah, we'll we'll be back what next week. What three? Three and three? Is yeah, three, three and oh, three okay. is my prediction. Okay. I, I, I just really hope that, like, for the sake of, like, I don't know, for potential trades, like, Chicago just loses a ton. I don't know what they're at right now, but that's, like, the that's like our, well, we've been hearing, so. Why? What do you, who's going to, who can we cherry pick off of Chicago? It's tough because I gave my thoughts, my spiel on the Caruso thing. But, I mean, if they, if they, if they get, boat, if they lose, like, you know, if they don't win a game on this road trip, then yeah, you're really kind of pushing. But the, you, but you, you're, you just down. don't want to trade Moody. I just don't want to play. The, I don't even want to trade any of the young guys. But it's, yeah. if if there is a point where it's like break the glass, press the emergency button, like then yeah, I, I understand why. I'm not gonna. I just think that these guys are gonna be really good. Yeah. Well, we uh, we can hope. We can cross our fingers. Uh, Steve Kerr. I'm also waiting for Kerr to sort of figure something out because, you know, enough of this experimenting, man. Like, let's snap your fingers, man. You guys are smart. Put the right guys on the court. Let's let's uh, let's figure it out. Okay, uh, so we'll be back next week. So for Bry, I am Double G. See you when we see you. Peace out.